This episode of the podcast presented by Enhanced. Great news, Snags. Enhanced CBD Recovery Oil is launching May 22nd. 22nd of May. May 22nd. Mate, deal. I heard if you head to the boys' Instagram bio, there's a little bit of a VIP access list that you can uh, sign up to so you don't miss out. Is that true? Mate, that is 100% true. Jump on their Instagram bio, sign up for that VIP access list. But Snags, they've also got their enhanced hemp muscle and training tees, both now available online. Look, I don't forget about that because I do remember the old hemp fiber is four times stronger than cotton, super comfy to wear, UV resistant, odor resistant so you can train it as well, get sweaty and not smell. And DL, I have you know, it's unique, breathable fibers, has also the ability to cool and insulate at the same time, my friend, depending what you need. Get it? Mate, for more information, head to enhance.com. That's E-N-H-A-N-C-D.com and use that discount code, run it back at checkout for 20% off your order. Now to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Runner Back Podcast, episode number 26 coming into your ears today. A man that's highly regarded in the MMA scene at the moment, the fight dietitian, Geordie Sullivan, dropped some knowledge bombs on us from everything from nutrition to fight camps to weight cut. I said, let's get into this body. DL, take us away. Yes, Snags, it was a great chat with Geordie. We did this at the start of May, so we hope you enjoy that we've been holding on to this one for a few weeks now. Let's get into it. Firstly, Geordie, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us on, gents. Personally, I don't think I've watched an MMA event with an Australian or New Zealand athlete lately and not heard your name or the fight dietitian's name mentioned. Do you ever stop to take that in? Um, man, not usually at the events. By the time it gets to like um, the event time, I'm pretty run down and pretty tired. It's pretty, um, it's pretty full on like a fight camp and then finishing off with the weigh-ins and the fight, fight week and everything. But um, I guess recently, especially like as COVID's come in, we all kind of sat back yeah it's been cool like especially after the, the start of this year when we did a pretty busy run we had that big event in um in Auckland in February and then we had um Vegas with Israel and whatnot so after that the team kind of all got together and we all kind of sat back and went wow this is pretty cool where we are so it, it's a cool spot to be in I'm not gonna lie yeah absolutely it's definitely a reward for effort yeah for sure and I'm sure it's been a long journey before you got to the point of launching the fight dietitian so I'd love to go back a little bit uh, we'd love to know your education background and and your experience in the industry before this started kicking off for you. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty painful. I always say it's like um, when I started, there's the guys, my UFC guys kind of have the polished product and there was a lot of guinea pigs beforehand that didn't get <laughs> such good service. But um, it all starts, I studied exercise and nutrition science at university. So I've always been into um, big into combat sports, but I grew up playing rugby. So I was really, really in rugby. At one stage, I thought that's what I was going to do with my life. I thought I was going to play professional rugby for my life. I mean, my 20s. And then, um, <laughs> and that's, that's what I was going to do. But I always boxed on my off seasons just to stay fit. So I was like really into boxing. My older brother was really into it. But I always put rugby first. And then when I was about 18, 19, I got a really bad injury. So I injured both my shoulders. I had to stop playing. And then to stay fit, I just, I just did boxing. So I, I've always been into it, MMA, in that, in that sense where I grew up like we didn't really have like jujitsu or, or wrestling like I never even heard of that stuff like I never even heard of what jujitsu was I remember playing do you remember like the old PlayStation game when like UFC 1 came out 
Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember I was in like ninth grade or something when that came out. And I legit thought that when it went to the ground and everyone started doing it, I thought it was like a bit of a free-for-all and it was just like a competition <laughs> to see who could like get back up and you start like boxing and kickboxing again. <laughs> I never really knew what like wrestling jujitsu was. So I went through like my entire university career playing like rugby and then I got like progressively more into MMA as it got like more popular in Australia. So um, by the time I finished, I really wanted to like explore that and work in that combat sports area, except like I, I literally remember going to like seek, I think at the time and typing in like combat sports dietitian and like to my, to my shock, there was no jobs. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and it's like th- that didn't exist. I think there was one person at the time, Dr. Reed real, who was doing a PhD at the Australian Institute of Sport. And he was doing like a PhD in water loading and weight cutting. And that was pretty much the, extent of where combat sports nutrition was in australia so when i graduated i ended up going to canada and um, i ended up living in canada for about almost three years and and during that time i like started taking like mma and training a bit more seriously so every new city i went to i'd go and get into like the mma gym or do boxing or whatever and then each time that's when i was like well i'm not really in australia i'm not confined to what i have to do as like a dietitian there and so I just started experimenting with like my teammates and guys like that. And that's kind of where it all started. And over the course of that, like three years, it obviously just progressed. And there was a lot of terrible weight cuts. Like I did a lot of terrible ones myself. Like um, I put my teammates through terrible things. And then I guess when I came back to Australia, I'd spent enough time in North America and seen enough. There, there were teams over there that were that were doing it and doing it pretty well. But there were no teams that were like, set qualified university dietitians that were doing it but I've, i saw how that concept could work from a business sense i saw how athletes got on got involved with it and really got around it so when i came back to australia three years later i said yes i'm gonna do it i'm gonna start this thing I'll, like i'll call it the fight dietitian i think my roommate came up with that name for me and then i've never given him credit for it so i'm not gonna show him <laughs> this but all right we'll I, cut it out of the podcast yeah later. that's it so um yeah and then that was that was only in 2018 so it was about three years prior to that when i was kind of traveling around experimenting doing all the guinea pig testing and then 2018 is when i kind of pulled the trigger and i was like okay i'm going to start this business and then it was probably not until about six months later that it because it kind of took off pretty fast I, I was working at a hospital at the time doing doing nutrition work there and then I just quit all of that together and went, okay, I'll go full time with um, fight dietitian. So it's kind of like a sound like a short version of it. Bit of a ma- sound like a bit of a mad scientist before you got into it at the start there. And it was it was so it was shocking. I always say there's this. Uh, I lived in Jasper. There's this little mountain town, and I say it like um, me and this guy who's an ex pro boxer, really really good. He used to hold pads for me. I, I learned so much from him. And me and him used to experiment a lot with it because we had full access to this full cafeteria, so we could get whatever food we wanted. We worked like very similar hours. I worked in a gym. He was like uh, in the spa. He was like a massage person. And so we could do all this weird experiment. I always say it's like, yeah, me and this dude like experimented up in the Rocky Mountains. I was like, wait, no, I can't say that out loud. But, um, but it was, it was. It was a lot of just reading because there's not a lot of information out about it. So like I'd talk to him and be like, hey, man, when you were doing it, what were you doing? And then I'd say like, nah, that doesn't make a lot of sense from what I know. And then there's a couple other teams at the time, like Mike Dolce was really big, like George Lockhart was really big. I actually went down into LA and did a like a cert training with with George and his team, and like and that was cool. Like it's um, I think everyone has their own little way of how they do this, and it it you know everyone has their own interpretation of how to do it. And it's like I took a lot from those guys. I took a lot from Mike Dolce, like Clint Wattenberg. 
uh, who's the head of the UFC PI right now, has like a book and he was working at Cornell at the time, Cornell Wrestling. Like I'd read a lot of his work and it was just like taking all this information and then trying to mesh it together and be like, okay, so what do we actually do when someone comes to you and says, I want to lose this much weight in this much time? So yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of experimenting and like I said, a lot of guinea pigs that kind of got the bad end of it at the start. <laughs> I mean, how'd you get to the point where you like had built the perfect kind? Well, obviously, it's probably different for every individual, I'm presuming. But how'd you get to the point where you knew you'd built the perfect kind of values or repertoire to go and provide that information to people? Uh, when we were getting results. So like, I remember like a few of my first guys, like post Canada, like I did a lot of weird stuff in Canada. And then when I kind of got back to Australia, I had a little bit of a network where I could bounce ideas from. And I also like started my own business. So I kind of gave myself that freedom, right? Like when you're working, say I was working in a sports clinic as well. And I was working with a few fighters there, but you're kind of constrained to the ideals and values of that clinic. So yeah. I can't necessarily, it's like, it was very hard for me to go to say my supervisor and say, Hey, I've got this idea. I want to do like this presentation about like weight cutting and like what we do in eight weeks is drop 10 kilos. And blah. like everyone's face just goes like, what the, what the <laughs> f- are you talking about? So it's like when I started the business, and started getting a lot of one-on-one time with guys and really started exploring. I was pretty, like I did a lot of due diligence. Like when I started, I collected a lot, a lot of data. So like a lot, a lot of data. And like I have spreadsheets on spreadsheets of guys that I've worked with for a few years now where it's like you collect everything, like calories that they that they eat during the week, what they burnt during their training sessions, how they rated their training sessions, what their sleep was doing, what their stress. And then trying to like kind of put it together myself with the information I was getting from guys like Reed Real and Dr. Carl Langan Evans and Clint Wattenberg and trying to formulate this into this, this kind of system that I was very comfortable with practicing and that I knew that worked. So it kind of just took a lot of trial and error, to be honest. That's crazy. So with your guys that you work with, with all that sort of stuff, is it you know, majority of people coming to you in a fight camp or is it like year round that you're managing someone's kind of yeah. overall health? At the start, it was definitely was. It was like, hey, I've got I'm this many weeks out from a, from a fight. And I guess it was credit to like, I was still learning how to manage just the fight camp aspect. And I think yeah. at that stage, it was, it was just like the fight camp. I don't think I could necessarily offer too much more than that, if I'm being honest. It's because I got really good at figuring out, okay, if you're say 10 to 15% of your body weight over your competition weight. I'm pretty confident that for, you know, the way you're presenting, the way your bloods are, the way your body composition is setting, what I can see from like what you're eating, your training schedule, that if you do X, Y, and Z, we'll get there. But like a lot of the problems with weight cutting isn't necessarily like getting the weight down. It's like what these guys do after the competition, right? Like everyone blows up after the competition yeah. and, and like keeping that, that, that progress going three weeks after your fight, four weeks after your fight. Nowadays, I do a lot of like year round. Like I, I personally, like myself, only look after about 30. I've got other guys on my team who look after our rest of our clients, but I look after about 30 of our high level guys. And yeah, we have like a, a year round practice. But at the start, it was definitely like, hey, Geordie, like I'm four weeks out from a, a fight. Can you get me on weight? I'm eight weeks. And like I had one guy like two weeks out. The biggest one I've ever done was two weeks out for a UFC fight. And that was... um. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty hectic. I wouldn't recommend anyone to do that. Wow. I would, I would say that would have been a pretty brutal cut and not very enjoyable. Yeah. Like the thing is like with losing weight, there's a lot of things you can do. Like your body is very resilient. And I, this is a terrible example to use, but like, uh, like the Holocaust, right? Like if you look what the, what the human body went through and the survivors of that, 
and like that extreme starvation, like, and, they, and they've done starvation studies like that, the body can push itself to real extremes. And I think like one of the scariest things, and I think in all of sports is that especially combat sport athletes, probably out of everyone kind of test those waters the most. And it's like, yeah. these guys just starve themselves and they deprive themselves of water. And they and like, the thing is your body can cope with it a lot of the time. But the problem is, is like, well, what's the damage that's done? Like, what's the damage that if me and you do a weight cut together for two weeks and we get all this weight off, it's like, cool, you've made weight. You can go stand on the scale and get these photos taken. But it's like, but what damage did we do? And that's like, nowadays, that's really the focus of what we do. And I'll I'll admit, like at the start, it it wasn't because we were trying to get this process down of like, okay, eight weeks, we just got to figure out how to get them on weight. But it's like, it's not about that. It's like, how's that affecting these guys for the year, next year for the next two years for 10 years like especially with our girls like if we've got 20 year old girls and they're doing these big weight cuts what impact does that have on their on their reproductive health in 10 years time are they going to be able to have yeah. kids are they going to be able to do this so i guess nowadays the approach is is very very holistic and it's like how can we make these guys not only top athletes performing but how can we keep them top athletes and performing for the longest time possible so is that where like your focus, as you said before, is it's obviously on the camp as well, but the weeks after are so important and then for them to be year round, I guess it's more of a lifestyle than it is a cut then, isn't it? Yeah. And I think this is a thing that really separates. Um, and I would say even the top 0.1% to the rest of like the competition, because the guys that I work with, are, some of them are pretty, pretty high level, very, very high level. And all of them kind of share this common trend where it's like nutrition isn't just something they're looking after when it comes like eight weeks out from a fight camp because they're just, they're fit all year round. It's like a lot of them say like, this is my job. I'm a professional. My yeah. job is to turn up and fight and be fit all year round. Like my job is to be a dietitian all year round. It's like, I don't get to do that for eight <laughs> for weeks sure. and then take like two months off. It's, like, yeah. it's the same. So that's, that's something that we really instill. Obviously the approach you take with someone is very different when you're outside of camp compared to in camp. We do a lot of guidelines, but there's a lot of like really good progress you can make with people, whether that be on the mental side of things with food, whether that be hormonally, you want to change how they use certain substrates in their body, whether that's, you know, body composition goals, whether you want to put on more body composition so the cut's easier coming down or you need to bring it down so it's more easier. Like you do all of that outside of camp. It's very hard to achieve all of that in like just eight weeks. So you don't, I think there's an old saying like you, you don't like build an athlete or you don't build a better athlete in eight weeks. You just refine one. So if you can yeah. go into that camp at the best shape possible, you just kind of add to that little mold. And that's like a real philosophy that a lot of my really, really high level guys really take on. And that's something we try to push down to everyone else down there. Yeah. And how like often are you catching up with the guys? Is it on a weekly basis or? Yeah. During camp, kind of during um, like if they're in fight camp, uh usually at minimum once a week and then like uh if like my guys i'm talking to them once a day they get they get pretty sick of me like they'll tell me that by the time like <laughs> post weigh-ins are done they don't want to see me for a while but um usually i do a check-in that's like every week that we we touch base with everyone just to make sure everyone's um on the right track like even during now like covid no one's really like getting ready for a fight specifically but everyone's kind of staying ready and it's like we don't necessarily want them to be strict dieting and on the edge and depleting themselves, but it's like, we don't want them blowing up either. So it's like just a, a friendly reminder for me is kind of like, that's enough to play like the, the angel and devil on your shoulder when you go into the cupboard and you're like, Oh, do I want to eat that second Mars bar or do I, okay, better not. <laughs> so usually a, a weekly check-in. That yeah, workload cool. seems intense, Jordy. Um, 
you would have had to build the right team around you in the fight dietitian. How does your team look? And so how's that balance? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I remember when I started, it was crazy. I remember, I think I had something like 120 athletes that I was in a fight camp with and it was, um, yeah, it was intense and it was stupid because you've only got so much water that you can spread between so many glasses. Right. And I definitely learned that because you can't give your best service. And that's like a big reason why I only take on say 30 people. So the first person that I actually brought into the team and something I realized really fast that made my job a lot easier was getting like a meal prep company involved. And, um, one of the guys, He's based in Ballina, Matt Brunson from um, TikTok Nutrition. So we work very, very closely together. And so all of my athletes that are based in Queensland and northern New South Wales, I get them all to go on like TikTok. And I'll do that with a lot of like meal prep providers um, purely because it makes the whole process so much easier. Like, so if you came to me and you're like, okay, I need to get your plan and whatever, I'll crunch all the numbers and figure it out. I can give you that plan and you can look at it. Whether or not you're going to do it is like, you know, like it's just human nature and it's just, like force that, people. That, yeah, yeah. Like, but that comes down to like a matter of convenience, like you wanting to yeah. weigh out the food. Do you have the time? Can you be bothered? Can you even cook? You know? So I mitigated that very early by getting like Matt and TikTok nutrition on board. I just sent him like all the meals. He'll prepare them, like drop them fresh to the guys every week. They'll do that. They give back the numbers to me. Then I'll adjust the meals to Matt. And then Matt makes the adjustments, gives them to him. And then he'll do like all their fight week meals or do all their post, like post weigh-in meals or do the next day weigh-ins. And then like, we're straight back onto that system. That's the beauty of it. Like when we get out of a fight camp, it's like that next week. Okay. We've got TikTok meals. Like, yeah, go and have like whatever food is that you're, you're craving, but make sure you're eating these meals as well. So Matt was the first guy that I, um, that I got on board. And then I took on two interns. So Jack is just finishing up now to come on as like our full-time fight dietitian but um like i said finding people in this field is um is very difficult because there's not a lot of work and i, I get a lot of it's really encouraging i get a lot of people applying for like an intern position and um something that i was very very adamant about when i started this is that anyone that i bring in the team i really need to spend a lot of time training because it's such a bizarre and it's such a it's not well-established thing that you'd learn at say university or even if you do a certificate or do something like I did and you went to like an outside group, you're not really getting the level of knowledge that you need to, to do this like one effectively and more importantly, safely. So it's like with these guys, it's like, so I've got Jack on board. So he's the combat dietitian. He's based in Melbourne. And so Jack's been training with me for probably over a year now. And that's, um, and I, I'd say he's ready. Like he's very much ready to go, but that's like a year of pretty intense training. Like I've put him through some, some things like every week he's got, he's got readings any research I come over, like I, I make him break it down and he reads it all. Like I've got him like going over all the nutritional supplements that we use or like when and why they're appropriate or like, what would you do with this one? And I like fly him up to all the events and be like, okay, like this is a situation with this person, how are you going to get them on weight and, and get him into the actual weight cut room and be like, okay, like this is how you monitor this. Like, this is what you need to look out for. This is what the blood pressure would do. This is why like, and kind of, so that was a real, um, but a really good investment. Right. So like, Jack has probably one of, been one of the biggest like additions to the team because he's taken so much of my workload and allowed me to kind of focus on my my 30 top athletes or 30 like yeah. athletes I look after and then he can take the rest. And then we just brought on a new intern, Curtis McCabe in, um, in Auckland. He's um, actually out of city kickboxing. So we're going to place him there and train him up so he can kind of help us look after that Auckland scene. And then uh, I've got some other guys in the background. Like I've got a, I've got a physio as well, Dan, um, Dan Brown, who's doing a PhD 
in combat sports concussion and head and neck trauma. I always talk about his wow. PhD and I, and I butcher it and he always gets so <laughs> Essentially, what, what his PhD is looking at is that concussion in combat, like, like, I don't know if you guys train or do whatever, but like you get hit in the head, yeah. like no matter what you do, boxing, kickboxing, grappling, jujitsu, you're either getting choked and blood's not going to your head or you're getting tossed yeah, or you're getting correct. physically hit in the head. It happens all the time. Dan's whole argument is that the way that we treat concussions is too global is that, that there's n- numerous types of like uh, concussions you can get. You can get like a vestibular uh, concussion, like an ocular motor concussion. You can get like actual damage to the brain. Like I'm butchering yeah. this, like he would be shaking. <laughs> but the thing is that, is that when you treat, you treat them all as the same. So like someone comes to you all dazed and messed up and they're like, Oh, they're like, Oh, that's a concussion. Take whatever. And there's like a 22 yeah. point check that all the doctors and whatnot do. And it's like, all like all of those mesh together what dan wants to do is like clearly separate that so he comes around with me to all my fighters all my gyms in australia and new zealand and what we do is like cat like catch baseline data it's really it's freaky i've got it all on my socials if anyone wants to see it puts like these goggles on guys and he measures like their their eye movement in relation to their head like where you think you are in like relation to space and he'll do neck um neck strength and all these other crazy tests so that he's got all this data. So say if an athlete, and this happened to us just recently, an athlete gets knocked out or gets concussed in training, instead of just giving them like a blanket generic, hey, go rest for 22 days, Dan could actually go, okay, well, you normally kind of get these weird weird, headaches during the day. That's not out of the normal for you. But this blurred vision and this ringing, that is out of the normal. And that suggests to me that it's this type of concussion. So his treatment is like way more narrowed in. That's crazy. Narrowed in and then that guy could get back in faster. Is he going to try to like break down like what's the difference between say if someone's just doing jiu-jitsu and just doing grappling and you know, for someone like me who doesn't get choked out all the time. Um, is it like, is he going to go and break down like what's the difference from getting, you know, put unconscious in that versus getting hit in the head and what the recovery is different from those two? Is that kind of he's going? To, he wants to look, I think, yeah, like, again, I'll butcher it. The whole idea is, like, assessing the type of concussion. And the way he puts it is, like, figuring out what's normal for that person and what's not normal and then figuring out, okay, the thing that's not normal, what's causing that, and let's treat that properly. And it's really cool. Like, it's – and we've got a lot of really positive responses from it. Like, we did a, a national tour for a seminar around New Zealand a couple months ago, and almost every every person who came to our seminar was like, yeah, I'll sign up and do it. So that's a heaps and heaps of people and lots of data for him on his PhD to actually figure it out. I guess the whole idea of Dan's work is to, is to just see, okay, what preventative measures can we do? Cause like, there's no way to not get hit in the head in this sport. So it's like, yeah. it's like, what can we do to make that safer? And can we get more effective? So guys aren't missing time and we can improve the recovery. So yeah, Dan's been a, a great addition. Like I completely butchered that. So um, he, he can give me a, a pretty. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get him on the podcast. The yeah, yeah. To cover but um, but um, yeah, Dan's really really helpful. Then um, yeah, we've got we've got a bunch of guys. Then I've got a chef as well, Chef uh, Damien. So he comes with me to my fight week. So he prepares all the meals for us. So he'll cook them. Like if, if you guys have ever had to eat like fight week meals to cut weight, it's like no sodium. You you slowly reduce yeah. the carbohydrates down, a lot more fat. So he's come up with a lot of really cool recipes and. He works alongside um, Chef Mario Lima Doran, who's from Trifecta, who works with the UFC a lot. And Chef Mario was taught my chef, Damien, a ton of information about how to, you know, incorporate sauces to make these foods, not just like you guys would know, like the chicken and avocado that all of us eat when we're cutting weight, like all that crappy food. Like, yeah, Chef Damien, Chef Mario, like really work together and they've come up with these crazy, crazy meals 
that's like you get these like seared steaks with all these crazy sauces that have no salt and but full of flavor and heaps fatty and no no carbohydrate and so it's like really really interesting to see for me but um yeah we've got chef damien then i've got um a guy dean dean barnes who comes on with me he kind of looks after all our sponsors to make sure that they're all happy we get a lot of support from um a lot of sponsors to make sure like our guys are getting the most the big thing we do like fight weeks is um I kind of know how much like these fight weeks suck for these guys because they all tell me. So I get like a lot of sponsors to come on and just help out like things that we really need. Like we got a bunch of massage guns from massage um, sports recovery, like just for the guys to have during a fight week or we'll get them supplements or whatever, or whatever they need. So yeah, it's a pretty cool team at the moment. We've got um, a lot of guys that really, it's a really like uh, eclectic team, but everyone kind of has a role and it's, it's really about like enhancing the experience for the fighters. And it's um, yeah, so far, so fun. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you build like an absolutely amazing hub for fighters to come to and you can see why so many people are currently using the Fight Dietitian, I guess, and we hear it bloody every event basically. So crazy team you got going. Yeah. How much team do you need in a fight week when you actually get to that, that week before a fight? Um, do you take everyone with you or? Yeah, it depends on like um, how many guys we're looking after. So say say if it's like just one or two guys, like I, I'll just go out there and do it because you don't necessarily need to like, I like I like Chef Damien will give me all the recipes. I'll work out all the numbers for these guys. It's pretty easy for me to do that. Like I work pretty closely with like the UFC nutrition team as well, like Clint Wattenberg and Charles Charles Hull and um, Alexa out there. They're they're really great. So if I need like assistance at a UFC event, say that's in the states or whatever, I can really lean on these guys. And Chef Mario is always going to be there when we're based in Australia, New Zealand, because that's so much of our work. And a lot of our fighters will fight on this show. Say for I think it was in Auckland, we had uh, how many guys? I think we had between Eternal MMA, which was on the Saturday night, and then the um, the UFC, we had something like sixteen people or something fighting that weekend. Yeah, it was something crazy. Wow. So like, and then I bring the whole team, and that that's just more of a logistic thing. So we've got like Chef Damien working with Chef Mario, so two chefs cooking all the food, preparing that, and then like I have guys that I bring that just like help me run and coordinate food. So we have to like cook it all, prep it, and then we have to get it to these guys and and like the 14 different fighters. Luckily, like that was a lot of them were in city kickboxing. So we could go there and organize how to get it out. But um, yeah, we bring the whole team for something like that just to make sure that everything is like one, we're doing our job on getting them on weight, like getting the food there and like staying on top of their hydration and everything. But two, having those extra guys there, make sure that like extra level, like with that experience we want to bring to them, that gets done too. And like, we're not just all focusing on these guys like, eat your chicken and eat your steak and blah, blah, blah. Like we've actually, <laughs> so there and I get, you know, like having a conversation with them and like, I'm, I've got time to sit down and actually talk to them and let them yell at me and get some, you know, some frustration off their chest instead of me like running around to a hundred different places. So yeah, we bring the whole, the whole squad comes and we've got big events like that. Yeah, cool. What, what, what kind of part does um that play? Like you've been able to take time for the fighters, obviously a weight cut or even just going into a fight is pretty mentally draining anyway. So in terms of like, do you kind of try to manage that mental aspect for them as well? Yeah, definitely, man. That's like, I would say, I, I want to say like re, knee reflex reaction. I'd say 90% of it is just like, if you're going to do well, especially at the job that I do, you need to like 90% of it is mental. And the way you talk to yeah. these guys is like very, very important. I always thought like the big six at, or the big five at City Kickboxing, it's very interesting. Like the way you interact with each of them, especially during fight week is they all have their own personalities, right? And they're all at different levels of their career and they're all like amazingly talented, but you have to treat them as the individual they are. And it's especially when you get to that last part, like 
cutting weight in a, in a bath or in a sauna or whatever, these guys, like we do it. So we're never doing anything drastic and we do like a lot of heat acclimation training. So it's never that bad, but like I've made the mistake in the past where say like I've said the wrong words at the wrong time and then someone's lost it and they've just kind of almost given up well before like they knew they should. And that's like on me because I chose the wrong words to say. So like them having that trust in you that you know what you're doing and that they're confident and they'll, they'll be able to see the results. Then you knowing how to like bring out, you know, okay, we need to just push it. You need to relax or like it's Wednesday and our weight's a little bit high, but Hey, that's okay. Because I I know the numbers better than you know, the numbers and trust me that I know these numbers and that, that they're right. So that trust and that face to face time, it's massive. So that's, I try to get over to New Zealand as much as I can. Usually two to three times, like during a, during a eight week fight camp, I'll go over and spend like four or five days in, in Auckland and spend that time with the guys. I'll try to fly to like Sydney or Melbourne and, and catch up with these guys. Or I'll have Jack who's based in Melbourne to go around and see these guys. But yeah, or even if that, just getting on the phone with them, jumping on a, a Skype call because they need it. Like you need that trust and the science and the numbers is one thing. But like most people can get that. It's just when it, things don't go right or when things go off or oh, I don't know, like their girlfriend storms out and then they all this cortisol comes in and they're all stressed out and all of a sudden the numbers aren't working. Like they have to trust you that you can get that train back on the tracks and keep it rolling. So that that psychological aspect of it is massive, 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 massive. Yeah. Mate, when do you sleep in fight camp? It sounds like you're on 24-7. Yeah, not a lot, to be honest. The boys kind of like, like a real joke about that is like, like I don't really sleep and eat during those fight weeks. So it's like we make up for it on the on the Sunday night after the fights. We we have a few celebratory beers and it makes up for it. Good. Um, what kind of advice would you have for like the home athlete? Obviously, you're dealing with the people that are competing regularly. Um, for the guys like, you know, myself that just do jujitsu or just, you know, doing a bit of boxing or whatnot, like what's your, do you, do you deal with people like that as well? Yeah. Yeah. We take on like heaps of guys man. we have people at all levels of competition. Like, um, yeah, we got guys who like just started like their first week. We do a lot of like introductory, like nutrition things, like eight week. I don't like calling them like eight week challenges, but it's just like an eight week introduction yeah. where it's like, Hey, we're not going to go super hard and we're not going to like cut all this weight off you but like i want to work with you and, and and help you understand food a bit better it's like that's something like i really preach to guys that are getting started i think nutrition there's so much info out there and it's very easy yeah. to get bogged down in all this info but like keep it as simple as you can because it's a very complex science but it's also like a very simple science it's like you and i innately know what foods are good and what foods aren't it's just like yeah. being able to do it what is, do is a different story right so it's like if, if we spend a lot of time say if someone's a jujitsu athlete it's like okay well what foods do you need to to feel better at jujitsu when you're training and like okay well what foods are you gonna need to not feel as sore when you're getting cranked and pulled and you know choked out all this time so it's like okay understand like break it down very very simple it's like okay are you doing are you doing these things like three meals a day and eating these good things or are you going to kfc straight after training and getting like you know or you going to mcdonald's or doing maybe and like kind of highlighting that to them and being like okay so maybe you don't feel as good because you're not putting in this right this fuel but you're training like a madman like everyone who does jujitsu is just like one to two times a day six days a week and you're getting your body contorted it's like no wonder you feel terrible doing that because you're not feeling properly so yeah we work a lot in terms of like advice we give guys like um i'm big on like not so much processed foods like 90 percent of the time you can stay away from like processed foods like I'm not saying don't go out and get a palmy and a beer here and there, like do it, do it for your mental yeah. health. But like 90% of the time, if you can like look at the food you're eating and just think like, 
how many steps away from the farm is this? And you can keep that as minimal as possible. And you can like fuel yourself with like the good carbs. Like everyone freaks out about carbs, like get good whole grain carbohydrates in your life because guys like us who do these combat sports, even if we're not, you know, UFC world champions, we burn a lot of carbs during this sport. And a lot of us make the mistake of cutting that out. And then we feel terrible and we don't sleep right. And our energy levels go and our stress levels go. So it's like, get some good protein on your plate, like protein that's not too far away from the farm. Eat some good whole grains, like get some fat, get some good olive oil, get some avocado. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Just do that consistently yeah. and then do that for six days of the week. Then on Sunday night, go out and get your palmy and have a beer. And then remember that you got to go to training Monday morning. So start eating healthy again. So we keep it pretty simple, to be honest. Like nutrition is, it really is. It can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. And in professional MMA circuits, you've obviously seen a lot of them. Um, is there something that sticks out to you that concerns you the most? Um, like in practices in terms of like weight cutting? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of misinformation. I think um, I think there's a lot of really good people in this field. I think I'm very, very fortunate that I think when I talk, people think that I have this like fountain of knowledge and that I'm I'm very smart and very switched on, but it's not that. It's just I'm smart enough to talk to people who are much smarter than me and I can kind of play parrot and say the things that they learn. I'm kind of fortunate that I'm in a position where I can identify like who really knows what they're talking about and who doesn't, and I can take all that information. I think something that I've seen that's pretty concerning, even at the highest levels at UFC, at Bellator, at a whole bunch of those high-level competitions, is guys do things at the advice of, say, a coach that may not have the experience. I'm not saying that coach is necessarily it's their fault, but they might not have got that information from the most credible source. And I've seen guys like put themselves through hell trying to make weight when really it shouldn't be like, I don't want to, I don't want to like say this, especially during like COVID, but like a lot of Chinese athletes don't necessarily have the best ideas when it comes to cutting weight. And like even guys at the UFC PI in Shanghai, they do a lot of great work and they, but they always talk about this. There's just this huge cultural difference because there's a lack of good information over there. And they don't have the information. I guess that's why like the PI in Shanghai is there to spread that out. But I see that all the time, whether that's like the food that they eat during fight week, it's probably not the best food or like when they're cutting weight, they'll just sit in a sauna and there's no like regulating their blood pressure or no checking anything or they're going in their bone dry because they haven't had water for three days or whatever. And then post weigh in there, they're making funky, weird shakes with all this weird, colorful, bubbly stuff that you put in, and then they're like, and then they're and they're throwing up and crapping themselves. And I think there's just a lot of misinformation that still gets around, even at the highest level. And I think that's like a big goal of like TFD and our and our company is that we want to work with like the right people, like the Clint Wattenbergs at the UFC, the Carl Langan Evans at Liverpool, John Walls, to like help push that information out. So. So guys like us that are terrible at combat sports but really love it and we might have to do that one day, we can go on Google and read some reputable, reputable information and not hurt ourselves at a sport that we're not actually that good at but we just do it for fun and we can keep doing it for fun, you know? Cool. So in saying that yourself, you train a fair bit uh, jiu-jitsu-wise, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. A bit of jiu-jitsu, yeah. What, um, what, what belt are we at? At the Blue, moment? blue. Still a blue belt. Oh, baby. Blue, you didn't quit. Yeah. It's yeah. usually the blue belt quit phase. Yeah, nearly quit. Nearly quit. I quit uh, nearly quit every time I go away. This is the thing like um, everyone's like, oh, like do you train when you, when you go away with these guys? Like, man, you kind of have to. Like you kind of have to jump on the mats with them and you have to like yeah. stand up and bang with them. And it's like 
and they're like, man, that must be amazing. That's got to be like so cool. And it's like, no, it's not. It's like, not at all. It's <laughs> absolutely not. Like, like I put these guys through like a lot when you're dieting, like dieting stuff. And I'm the guy that's delivering that. And like a lot of my athletes see this when I like jump on the mats with them or when you like strap on your gloves or your shinies or whatever, it's like, that's their chance to get it back. And you can't say anything. You, gotta, you know, curl up and go. You probably can't do anything yeah. either considering how high level they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's horrible. Like, oh. But it's fun. Like, it's fun. Good, good memories. Like, everyone has 2020 vision in hindsight. I think you forget. But at the time, like, I've nearly cried a couple times. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So, if anyone sees you in the gym, Geordie, and you say no to a fighter, they know that (laughs) it's been pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I I have a really cool team. I train at um, SASM MMA under Marcus Collins in um, in Wollongabba in Brisbane. But, like, because I travel so much with work, like, I'll come back and then it's like, okay, like, haven't had around with you for a while. I haven't around. So it's like, well, and you're like the guy that hasn't been like, they haven't rolled with for a while. So it's like, you've just been beaten up in this country first. <laughs> and you come back to home and relax and get beaten up by these guys. And there's been a few times where I've, I've thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have quit my hospital job. Maybe that was pretty cushy. <laughs> well, I think you made the right decision. Um, so for a lot of our listeners as well that like your content, because you obviously put a fair bit on um, socials and stuff like that, you got your own podcast as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I run, a, it's called the Fight Science Podcast. So pretty much just um, get on like all the nerdy people in the combat sports nutrition world, not just combat sports nutrition. I just ran like a strength and conditioning series and um, we're just running like a gut health and fasting series coming up. So kind of anyone who's anyone that has um, good information to put out there, I try to get them on the on the podcast, but that's called the Fight Science Podcast. That's on um, Apple, Spotify, and then Podomatic which I don't even know what it is, but it's on my website if you go there, thefightdietitian.com. Yeah, cool. Who's been your favorite guest on so far? Oh, that's a tough one. I think I, I think I break this up into like two categories, right? Like I get a lot of guests on that, like it's kind of selfishly so I can learn from them and like kind of hear their inside like <laughs> research. And I've got Smart. Dr. Carl Langan Evans has given me, he's probably changed my practice the most and I've had him on a couple of times. He's just very... um very 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 intelligent and intuitive with how he goes about um planning fight camps and he, he does a lot of active research in the area so i'm lucky enough that he comes onto my podcast and tells me all that research before it goes out so i can yeah. kind of get it um oh man i just ran a strength and conditioning one and there were so many good guests like like we got Mia Orney down in ethos performance we had phil derue on like we had andrew wood from um tiger muay thai like we had all these like like Ben Zwang, like Coach Ben Z, he's on um, YouTube, um, had all these, yeah, Gavin Pratt, who works at the UFCP, all these really cool guys. Like, it's hard to pick a favorite. To be honest, like, I learn a lot when I listen to this, when I sit there and I talk. And like I said, like, people kind of think that I know what I'm talking about, but I'm kind of just sitting here and absorbing everything and spitting it all out. So, yeah, I would highly recommend if anyone's, like, into into the science side of it and don't, doesn't mind a few big words to, to head over there and yep. check it out. Nice. Yeah, nice. Jordy, nice. two things before we let you go. One, is there a book or some literature you'd push people towards to get better educated in this field? Yeah, yeah. So there's two big books that I like um, guys reading. So one is by Reed Real, who Dr. Reed Real, who runs the UFCPI in Shanghai. So called Combat Sports Nutrition. And then um, Clint Wattenberg is like probably one of the most influential books that I've read when I started out. It's um, Performance Nutrition for Wrestling. Is, a, is another big book that, um, again, they're pretty thick, but um, yeah, get a cup of tea yeah. and a few biscuits and you'll be able to get through it. <laughs> nice. And our last thing, um, we do a lot of predictions on our podcast <laughs> uh, for fight predictions. And because oh, we've got a card, an actual card coming up, 
Oh, can we get a can we get a prediction or a tip on uh, the headline fights for the next card? Gaethje and uh, Tony Ferguson. Do you, yeah. do you have? Which I way think, you I think Tony's going to get it. I just can't see. I want Tony to get it. I want Tony to get it. Sage. I have nothing against Homer Simpson, but it's like I want Tony to get it, and because I think Tony's <laughs> going to give Khabib the most trouble, right? And actually, a few of the guys from the gym were talking about um Cejudo and Cruz, and yeah. I've um, I've seen um Cejudo around the kicks quite a bit, eh? and he is Captain Cringe, and he's like he keeps calling out all my athletes. Like he's calling out Volk at the moment, and him and Kai like. They, they did the ultimate fight together and they've got weird bromance, but not really. But like, I kind of like the way Cejudo goes about stuff. And have you seen Cejudo's coach? You know, he like the short little, I don't know. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. He's like, wearing, man, that dude is so yeah. gangster. We're in like, <laughs> That dude rocks up. Like everyone's looking terrible feeling like, obviously just about to weigh in. They made you wait like for three hours after you made weight to like go to the officials. This dude rocks in straight from the casino where, and he's like, <laughs> Wearing his um sunglasses with these like Mikey alligator shoes. I don't know. Like I would like to see Cejudo beat Cruz just so he can like enjoy Henry Cejudo show for a little bit longer. Yeah, on his Insta, he just put up some uh before and after for his fight camp. So it was before, and he had like obviously still fit looking bloke, but like there was a little bit of a roll in his shorts and things like that, and then just looking absolutely crisp. Yeah, uh, in the after pick. He gets, it's it's fantastic. He's a wrestler. It's because he's a wrestler, man. Wrestlers, yeah. like, I don't know, they're a different type of mentally tough, eh? Like, it's just, <laughs> and like cutting weight, they're so bad at it too. And they just, they just push their body. <laughs> I feel like even when you educate them, they're like, nah, you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Uh, Jordy, well, we thank you for your time. I know you just mentioned your socials before, but just for our listeners, do you want to just mention them again? Yeah, yeah. So Instagram, um, the underscore fight dietitian, then the fight dietitian on facebook then twitter is just fight dietitian and then uh there's a youtube channel that i don't really have much to do with but uh if you type the fight dietitian i'm sure that comes up there too and then the website is www.thefightdietitian.com excellent well geordie we thank you for your time yeah thanks gents appreciate it